Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Good morning. Breaking overnight, California Governor Gavin Newsom survives a historic attempt to remove him from office. And thank you for rejecting this recall. The voter turnout massive. The end result decisive. This morning, the message delivered to both parties from coast to coast. We're live with the very latest. On the move, heavy rain across the South this morning as the remnants of Nicholas bring new misery to states still trying to recover from Hurricane Ida. Roads flooded, power knocked out to hundreds of thousands. We're live in Louisiana, and Al will tell us where the storm is heading next. Going Rogue, the new book revealing the final days of the Trump presidency, including America's top general fearing the president could start a nuclear war with China. Just ahead, what he did in secret to avoid that potential disaster and what the former president is now saying about it all. Stunning twist. The South Carolina lawyer shot in the head on the side of the road, now accused of plotting his own attack. This morning, how Alec Murdoch is explaining himself when his attorney joins us for an exclusive live interview and what police are saying about the investigation into the murders of his own wife and son. All that plus one of a kind. It's funny, it's funny because it's uh, bigger than a you know, normal hat. <laughs> the superstars of comedy celebrating the life and influence of SNL's Norm MacDonald. And Raise the Curtain, Broadway's biggest musicals roar back to life with star-studded surprises. And yes, a little help from today. Three, two, one. We will take you inside an unforgettable night of music, dancing, There's and joy. There's no place like home. And we'll give our regards to Broadway today, Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today on this Wednesday morning. So glad to have you with us. We've got that Broadway glow. What a night. It was unbelievable. If you've ever been to a professional football game, you'll know what it feels like to be in one of those Broadway theaters. The cheering, the screaming. Like, I think of all the Broadway shows I've ever been to, that night with you was my favorite. It was Wicked. an electric yeah. night on yeah. Broadway after long months away. We'll get to that. But first, we have a lot to get we to. We do, including all eyes on the Gulf Coast once again, Savannah. Yes, I'm 200 of people still without power as Nicholas continues to dump heavy rain on that region, leading to major flooding there. Morgan Chesky is in hard-hit Louisiana for us this morning. Al has the full forecast coming up. Meantime, take a live look at Cape Canaveral, where tonight four non-astronauts, just ordinary Americans, will be launched into space aboard that SpaceX rocket. We are there live. But we're going to start this morning in California. This breaking news overnight, Governor Gavin Newsom holding on. He has survived an attempt to remove him from office in that recall election. It's being seen as a win for Democrats on the national stage heading into next year's midterm elections. NBC's Jacob Soboroff joins us now from Sacramento. Jacob, good morning. 
Hi, Savannah. Good morning to you. It's back to work here at the state capitol today for Governor Gavin Newsom after NBC News projected a decisive victory in that recall election. The governor said he was humbled and validated by the result. It allows him to remain the governor of the Golden State. Californians, and thank you for rejecting this recall. Overnight, Governor Gavin Newsom declaring victory, with California voters rejecting a months-long effort to remove him from office. Newsom calling the no vote a validation of his policy priorities. We said yes to science. We said yes to vaccines. We said yes to ending this pandemic. Following early tight polls, Newsom received support from big-name Democrats, including President Biden, who campaigned alongside him. Folks, send a message to the nation. Courage matters. Leadership matters. Larry Elder, the conservative talk radio host and replacement candidate, who received the most votes of the 46 running, had indicated he wouldn't accept the results. Whether or not you win or lose, will you accept the results of the election tomorrow? I think we all ought to be looking at election integrity, no matter whether you're a Democrat, an independent, or a Republican. Late Tuesday, he addressed voters. We may have lost the, the battle, but we are going to win the war. Caitlyn Jenner, the reality star, and another of the replacement candidates spoke out as well. This state deserves better than Gavin Newsom. Unfortunately, it looks like they're not going to get that. The campaign was set against the backdrop of multiple crises in the Golden State. Record wildfires, COVID, homelessness, and rising violent crime. But one year ahead of a scheduled gubernatorial election, Californians gave Newsom a vote of confidence. This will be something to definitely, you know, keep him on his toes, put a little interest in little areas that need more attention. Ultimately, this is a two-to-one Democratic state here in California. So those early polls that showed a tight election didn't really reflect the reality of the electorate on the ground. The Democratic population has grown since the 2003 recall election where Arnold Schwarzenegger was elected governor. On top of that, people out here in California like Governor Newsom's policies, including the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates, and all of those policies relating to protecting Californians from COVID. Savannah? Jacob Sober off at the State House after a late night there. Thank you so much. Now to the ongoing wrath of Nicholas. The slow-moving storm is dumping heavy rain across the south, up to a foot expected in some spots. And this morning, flood watches stretch from Texas to Alabama. We're going to get to Al and his forecast in just a moment. But first, NBC's Morgan Chesky joins us again from Lake Charles, Louisiana. Hey, Morgan, good morning. Yeah, Hoda, good morning. And the main concern here is that Nicholas would slow down, dropping more rain, creating more flooding, and unfortunately leading to more stress in these communities uh, that definitely don't need it. Nearly every house on this block still covered in those blue FEMA tarps, not from Ida, but hurricanes Laura and Delta that happened a year ago now. And so to add one storm on top of another is almost too much. This morning from a drenched Texas coast, to an already storm-battered Louisiana bayou, millions are reeling from Nicholas. We stayed in our, our house here and it was uh, shaking the whole night. It was unbelievable. It was about a five and a half foot storm surge. 24 hours after the storm made landfall in Texas as a hurricane, packing nearly 100 mile an hour winds, more than 100,000 people remain in the dark. Our number one issue is, is power. That's, 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 that's number one. As cleanup and electric crews got to work in Texas's hard-hit communities, Nicholas turned toward Louisiana, a state still hurting from the loss of life and devastation caused by Hurricane Ida. We got about nine trees down, 
through power lines that's uh, messed up. The main thing is we don't have no electricity and we're going on, I think today's a 15 day with no power, no electricity. President Biden approving the Louisiana governor's disaster declaration before Nicholas even arrived. This authorizes FEMA to coordinate disaster relief efforts across 64 parishes. In Lake Charles, the scars of past hurricanes impossible to miss. Whatever Rachelle Wiley didn't lose to Hurricane Laura, she did just weeks later to Delta. Has it really felt like one right after the other? Yes. Yeah. It has. You can't give up. When you have kids, you can't show them that you're scared. The path of Nicholas at times erratic. Now forecast to move across Mississippi, Alabama, and the Florida Panhandle with almost nonstop rain, proving this storm is far from over. And this morning, those flood watches already extended to the Florida Panhandle. In the meantime, here in the state of Louisiana, more than 70,000 households have now been cleared to get their own blue FEMA tarp to protect whatever they have with two and a half months to go in hurricane season. Hoda. All right, Morgan Chesky for us there in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Morgan, thank you. Let's bring Al mm -hmm. into the conversation. Those flooding concerns are real, and where is it headed next? Well, we've got a slow mover on our hands. We've already seen almost 14 inches of rain in Galveston, almost four inches in New Orleans, and it's not quite done yet. We do have those flood watches for six million people. Rainfall rates two to three inches per hour, stretching from Louisiana all the way to almost to Tallahassee with this system pushing forward. Right now, it's 15 miles north northeast east of Port Arthur, 30 mile per hour winds. It's moving east at only three miles per hour. You can walk faster than this thing, and it just kind of meanders now through Louisiana and then on into Mississippi. It is just taking its own sweet time, just hanging around. We are looking at a lot of heavy rain still continuing. Isolated amounts on top of what's already fallen, almost 10 inches of rain. And the other thing we're watching, Invest 96L, just to the east of the Bahamas. You look at the chance of development over the next uh, two days, we're looking at a 60% chance, and it comes awfully close to the Carolina to be watching this very closely over the next 72 hours. Guys? All right, Al. Uh, thank you. Meantime, we are getting an eye-opening new look at the end of Donald Trump's presidency. According to a new book on the transition of power, members of his inner circle feared President Trump could reach a breaking point that would have global consequences. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander has more on that and Mr. Trump's reaction. Hey, Peter, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. And then President Trump's final days in office, Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley, according to the book's authors, secretly took steps to limit Mr. Trump's ability to launch military strikes. As his concerns grew, the Trump had suffered serious mental decline. Milley at one point telling top U.S. commanders, you never know what a president's trigger point is. Among the most explosive revelations in the new book, Peril, Bob Woodward and Robert Costa report that two days after the January 6th Capitol riot, Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley had become increasingly concerned about President Trump's mental state following his election loss, worrying the president could go rogue and start a war. According to the book that's been obtained by NBC News, the country's top military officer summoned his senior staff to a secret meeting to review the procedures for launching nuclear weapons. Milley emphasizing that while only the president could give the launch order, he also had to be involved, saying, quote, if you get calls, no matter who they are from, there's a process here, there's a procedure, and I'm part of the procedure. 
Earlier that day, according to a transcript obtained by the authors, Millie took a call from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who asked, What precautions are available to prevent an unstable president from initiating military hostilities or from accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike? Milley assured her there were a lot of checks in the system. Pelosi saying of Trump he's crazy and what he did on January 6th is further evidence of his craziness. Milley's response, I agree with you on everything. Milley also assured China's top general in late October the U.S. would not strike. Prompted by Beijing's fears, America was prepared to attack due in part to Trump repeatedly berating China for the coronavirus. It's not my fault that it came here. It's China's fault. Milley even delivering this pledge to his Chinese counterpart. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. Overnight, Trump firing back at Milley. For him to say that I was going to attack China is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. The authors also report in late December, then-Vice President Pence, the target of Mr. Trump's pressure campaign to overturn the election results, called former Vice President Dan Quayle to ask whether he could accommodate that demand. Quayle telling Pence, Mike, you have no flexibility on this. None. Zero. Forget it. And overnight, Mr. Trump blasted the book and suggested that Milley should be tried for treason for dealing directly with China behind his back. Milley is certain to face some tough questions when the four-star general testifies before Congress. That'll take place later this month. Republican Marco Rubio citing the new reporting, calling for President Biden to fire Milley. Hoda. All right, Peter Alexander Forrest there at the White House. Peter, thanks. Hi, right, Craig joins us. We turn to the new developments in the scandal that rocked mm, USA yeah. Gymnastics. Hi, Craig. Hey, Savannah Hoda. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Several of the world's most high-profile female gymnasts, including Simone Biles, are all in Washington today testifying at a Senate hearing. The focus, the FBI's handling of the sex abuse case involving former team Dr. Larry Nassar. NBC's Ann Thompson is in Washington. She's following the story for us. And good morning. Good morning, Craig. This is where the four gymnasts will tell their stories this morning. But first, NBC News has confirmed that the FBI has fired the supervisory agent who initially interviewed Michaela Maroney back in 2015 and apparently did nothing. This is the Senate committee looks into why the FBI mishandled this case with tragic consequences. For the gymnasts testifying this morning, the sexual abuse case involving former Team USA physician Larry Nasser is both painful and personal. Simone Biles, Allie Raisman, Michaela Maroney, and Maggie Nichols are among the hundreds of girls and women who accused the disgraced doctor of abuse. So we still have to protect those athletes and figure out why it happened, who knew what when. After Biles withdrew from several events at the Tokyo Olympics, citing her mental health, she told Hoda the Nasser case likely weighed on her performance. Do you think that affected you at all this time around? Now that I think of it, like maybe in the back of my head, probably yes, because there are certain triggers that you don't even know. While USA Gymnastics and others have faced sharp criticism for their roles in the Nasser case, this morning Congress is looking into missteps by the FBI. A scathing report issued by the Bureau's Inspector General earlier this year found senior officials in the Indianapolis field office, quote, failed to respond to the Nasser allegations with the utmost seriousness and urgency that they deserved and required. After USA Gymnastics first reported the allegations to that office in 2015. 
among the faults, the OIG says failing to alert local or state authorities and conducting no investigative activity in the matter for more than eight months. During that period, the inspector general says, quote, Nasser's sexual assaults continued. Until it was publicly disclosed, we estimate there were 70 more victims of Dr. Nasser's sex abuse. Bringing these high-profile gymnasts to Capitol Hill, lawmakers hope to put the issue back in the spotlight to make sure nothing like this happens again. Winning gold medals doesn't take away the pain of what happened. Allie Raisman shares her journey to healing in an upcoming Lifetime documentary. Her gold medal teammate in London, Michaela Maroney, also wants to help others affected by abuse. Telling Elle magazine, for so long I was surviving. Now I feel I'm actually living. Now, FBI Director Christopher Wray, who was not leading the agency at the time, will give the agency's side of the story, and he is said to be very angry and upset over how this case was handled. Craig? And Thompson, from inside the room of that hearing is going to happen. And thank you. It is 16 minutes past the hour. You got a national look, Mr. Roper? We sure do. We've got some severe storms that are going to be making their way across the Great Lakes, on into the Northeast, and into the Mid-Atlantic states today. Heavy rain, of course, down to the south in the Gulf because of the remnants of Nicholas. Plenty of sunshine around the Great Lakes. The desert heat continues, and that fire risk in the Western Plains still very strong. That's your latest weather. Guys? All all right, coming up, guys, still ahead, a shocking development in that mysterious shooting of a well-known attorney in South Carolina this morning as an arrest is made. He is actually being accused of arranging his own attack. We'll have the very latest and also an exclusive live interview with Alec Murda's attorney. Plus, it's a go for launch for tonight's groundbreaking all-civilian SpaceX flight. We're going to have everything you need to know about the mission and its impact on the future of space travel. A live report from Cape Canaveral just ahead. But first, this is Today on NBC. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's match engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'd like to solve the puzzle, Alex. This isn't Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Who is Andre the Giant? <laughs> is that an answer to a question? <laughs> no, I was just wondering, uh, 
Just wondering who is Andre the Giant. <laughs> we are back with the laughs that Norm Macdonald provided us with, his impersonations of Burt Reynolds, one of the many ways he shined on his time at SNL. And just ahead, we're going to talk to some of the fellow comedy icons, how they are celebrating his life and career. He passed of cancer, and a lot of people didn't even know he was no, ill. He was time. only 61, yeah. but he will definitely be missed. Yeah. We've got a busy half hour ahead this morning, and we're going to start with yet another bizarre twist in those mysterious cases surrounding a prominent legal family in South Carolina. Overnight, an arrest was made in the recent shooting of Alec Murdoch, an attack authorities now say Murdoch actually planned and arranged himself. In just a few moments, we'll talk exclusively to his attorney. But first, NBC's Katie Beck joins us from Columbia, South Carolina, once again with more details. Katie, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. From the start, the details of the shooting made many suspicious. It happened in broad daylight along a deserted road when Alec Murdoch says he was changing a flat tire. Now we're learning what actually happened, maybe even more unbelievable. Overnight, South Carolina law enforcement announcing an arrest in the bizarre shooting that left prominent attorney Alec Murdoch hospitalized. Part of a plot, police say Murdoch admitted to organizing himself. Law enforcement arresting 61-year-old Curtis Edward Smith, charging him with assisted suicide and insurance fraud. Police documents revealing Alec Murdoch instructed Smith to shoot him in the head, even giving him the firearm to do it. All so Murdoch's son could collect death benefits on a $10 million life insurance claim. On Tuesday, police say Smith admitted to being present during the shooting and disposing of the gun, adding more charges are expected. Police documents describe Murdoch as a co-defendant. In an exclusive statement obtained by NBC News, Murdoch's lawyers blame the shooting incident on people feeding his addiction to opioids. Adding, these individuals took advantage of his addiction and his ability to pay substantial funds for illegal drugs. One of those individuals took advantage of his mental illness and agreed to take Alex's life by shooting him in the head. The shooting occurred one day after Murdoch resigned from his law firm amid accusations of financial misconduct, which authorities are now looking into. Three months ago, Murdoch told police he found his wife and son fatally shot on their family property. There have been no arrests related to their deaths. Murdoch's lawyers say their client is fully cooperating with SLED in their investigation into his shooting, opioid use, and the search to find the person or people responsible for the murder of his wife and son. Now, court documents actually indicate that Alex Murdoch represented Curtis Smith as his attorney back in 2013 on a traffic-related case. We are told in the meantime, Murdoch continues to recover in rehab. Craig? Katie Beck for us there in Columbia. Katie, thank you. Joining us now exclusively is Alec Murdoch's attorney, Dick Harputlian. Dick, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Dick, you've prosecuted serial killers, university presidents. You've represented uh, some, some characters over the year. You have to admit, this is, this is a pretty unbelievable story. Your client claiming that he paid someone to shoot him to collect $10 million in insurance money and the guy missed? Is that the story? Well, let me, let me elaborate. Um, on Monday, Jim Griffin and I, Alex's attorneys, traveled to an out-of-state detox facility where uh, we actually had the first conversation we've ever had with him when he wasn't on opioids or oxy. Um, and as a result of that, he clearly uh, knew what he had done was wrong and explained to us a couple of things. One, 
the murder of, of his son and wife uh, 90 days ago uh, took a tremendous uh, toll on him. His father died of cancer that same week. Uh, most people couldn't get through that. He got through it uh, with the use of opioids. And um, then uh, last week, uh, a week ago actually, uh, he uh, it was uncovered that he had uh, perhaps, well not perhaps, he had uh, converted some client and, and law firm money to his own use to, and again, spent most of that on opioids. Um, and on that Saturday morning, um, he was uh, trying to get off the opioids. Uh, he was uh, not taking any of them, was in a massive depression, realized that things were going to get very, very, very bad, um, and he decided to end his life. He believed that $10 million policy had a suicide exclusion. Suicide exclusions are only good for two years, and he didn't realize that, so he arranged to have this guy shoot him. Now, what's amazing about this, this guy is somebody that was providing, and, and, and by the way, Alex is to totally cooperated with SLED. We called SLED, they didn't call us, um, and gave them the whole statement, indicated he called this guy um, who met him on the side of the road, agreed to shoot him in the head, um, and uh, this fake uh, car breakdown. Uh, 30 minutes later, this guy shooting him in the head. Didn't try to persuade him not to do it, didn't hesitate at all, um, and uh, he did. There was an entrance and exit wound. It was, uh, yeah. and, and Alec indicated he, he collapsed. Uh, he was blind for a while uh, before he was taken to the hospital. So it was an attempt on his part to do something to protect his child. He, this is, he, he didn't want law enforcement spending more time on this fake crime okay. instead of focusing on solving uh, the murders of, of Maggie and Paul. Okay, so let's talk about Maggie and Paul here, Dick, because your, your client lied about the circumstances under which he was shot. It, it, it wouldn't be a stretch for folks to think that he probably also lied about the circumstances under which his wife and son were shot. Well, that, that uh, and I, look, I've spent the last year and a half with Maggie and Paul and Alec. I represented Paul on the boat case, um, met with them dozens of times. Uh, they were very affectionate. They, they Maggie and Paul uh, and Alec all together, uh, Paul and, I mean, Maggie and Alec holding hands. He is totally distraught. I've, we've talked to him at length about it this week. Uh, clearly, he is distraught about their death. But, but he did, he, did Dick, not did he, murder did, them. Did, so, Dick, he didn't murder them. Does he perhaps know who did and why? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. But, but Jim Griffin and I are working on and investigating uh, an individual or individuals we believe may, may have, uh, have some culpability or had did, done it. And we're in the process of doing that. We're not SWED. We're not law enforcement. We don't have their tools. But we think... Uh, we'll know this week whether, whether the one suspect we're looking at bears for, further scrutiny, and we'll make that information available to law enforcement. And what would, but, the, what would the motive I, have been? I'm sorry? What would the motive be? I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. What, what would the motive be, Dick? Um, well, that would reveal who that person is, but it's personal. I mean, the, the motive would be personal. These reports that your client stole millions of dollars from, from the law firm, did he use all of that money to buy drugs or did he use some of the millions for, for other things? The vast majority of it, as I understand it, was used to buy drugs. That's a lot and, of, Dick, that's a lot of oxy. Well, well, well okay, so let me, uh, it is, I mean, um, but, but, but in his interview that we made him available for on Monday with SLED on the phone from the detox center, he explained he wrote checks 
for most of this. This is not, I mean, it gave them the bank accounts, totally cooperated, um, and, and told them how to find out how much he spent, where it went, where the bank accounts were, what went in, what came out, and what was spent, uh, checks written to drug dealers. Do you fully expect that your client is, is going to be arrested in, in the near future? Yes, I think he will be charged. Um, I think that what we, but what he doesn't want and we don't want is an, uh, an effort to, uh, to deal with these issues, distracting from and using law enforcement resources that could be used to solve the murders of Maggie and Paul. And again, to be clear, there's no connection between that shooting on the side of the road that he faked and the killing of his wife and son. Not, none whatsoever, except he was in a dark, dark, dark place and wanted to help his son in any way he could, the remaining son, Buster, um, in any way he could, and he thought this was the only way he could leave him with anything. Alec Murdoch's uh, attorney, Dick Carpootlian, with us this morning. Dick, thank you. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you. Fascinating conversation. Yeah, it really we'll was. continue to follow Sounds it. Sounds like mm. there's more to come. Absolutely. 7.39, now we have a lot more ahead, including the final preparations for tonight's historic first for space travel, an all-civilian crew ready to be shot up into orbit. We're going to hear from them and talk to one of NASA's directors about the importance of that launch coming up right after this. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Well, we are back with our special series, The New Space Race, as we turn to tonight's highly anticipated space extra. Yeah, just a matter of hours, guys. Four Americans, who are all not astronauts, will have the opportunity of a lifetime launching into space on an inspiring and really important mission. We're going to talk about that and more with one of NASA's directors in a moment. But first, NBC's Carrie Sanders in Cape Canaveral for the big blast-off. Hi, Carrie. Good morning. <laughs> Hey there. It's all systems go, as is the case with any kind of liftoff. They're watching the weather very closely. But since the earliest days of rocket engineering, they say, let's light that candle. Well, that'll happen tonight at around 8 o'clock Eastern time. You can see the Falcon rocket behind me. And on top is the capsule known as Dragon, where these civilian astronauts will be. I had a chance to talk to them, and each of them told me they're ready for 3, 2, 1, a liftoff. We're writing the narrative of human spaceflight right now. This morning, we're waiting for the final countdown, none more exciting than four ordinary Americans. Jared Isaacman, Siam Proctor, Haley Arsenault, and Chris Sombrowski, who are about to take an extraordinary trip to space. Why go there? I mean, this is in human nature. I mean, it's like, why cross the oceans? Why climb the mountains, right? Curiosity is, is part of us. No one has ever gone to space without NASA or Russian training until now. SpaceX put the crew through more than six months of intensive physical and mental preps. It's like a couple of your largest buddies sitting on your chest, you know, pushing you into your seat. Netflix followed them each step of the way for the documentary Countdown Inspiration 4, Mission to Space. While in space, they'll collect scientific data, how space impacts the average person's heart activity, sleep, and blood, as well as changes in behavior and cognitive performance. 
Haley, the flight's 29-year-old chief medical officer, was once a patient. She was 10 years old when cancer was discovered in her leg. I'll be the youngest American to go to space, the first person with a prosthetic body part, and the first pediatric cancer survivor. She was treated at St. Jude as a child, where she now works as a physician's assistant. After Haley was selected for the mission, she talked to Savannah so and Hoda. Give us the moment when you got the call, and of all the people on the planet Earth, you were one of the ones selected. Basically, they just asked if I wanted to go to space, and immediately I said yes, yes. When Cyan was in her 30s, she applied to the NASA astronaut program twice. At 51, she will now be the first ever black female pilot of a spacecraft. Black females, um, girls, people of color, and they see me. That's very special. When they lift off, it'll take about 12 minutes before there is final separation from the rocket and the booster. Then they will go to a point 357 miles from Earth. That's beyond the Hubble telescope. And interestingly, it is the furthest from Earth that anybody has been since NASA went to the moon. When they're up there, the mission will last three days, and the plan is to orbit the Earth about 15 times a day. Savannah Hoda. All right, Carrie, thank you. And joining us now from the launch pad down at Kennedy Space Center, Phil McAllister, the director of NASA's Commercial Space Flight Division. Good morning, Phil. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Before we get into it, just, does everything look like a go yeah. for tonight? I know there were some questions about weather. Do you think you're go for launch? So far, I've heard that we are a go. The weather's about 80% as of this morning. All right, good to hear that. What makes this such a moment? Mm -hmm. Civilians going into space, what does it mean for science? What does it mean for NASA? I think this is a major milestone in human spaceflight. If you think about it, we've been flying in space for about 60 years, and during that time, only about 600 people have flown to space. The vast majority of them have been government employees. Looking forward to the next 60 years, I think that number is going to go way up, and the vast majority of those people are going to be private citizens. So I think this is sort of an inflection point in human spaceflight, and it will mark a real renaissance in that capability. Phil, and speaking of that, I think some people might think, well, wait, I think I've seen this movie before. Jeff Bezos went up, Richard Branson went up. What makes this particular flight different than those other two? Well, those two went to suborbital space. The mission only lasted about 15 or 20 minutes, and they uh, did not orbit the Earth, but they did get to space. Uh, I don't want to minimize what they did. It was an incredible feat. Human spaceflight is really, really hard, but this is probably on the order of about 10 times more difficult to go to orbit. The energies involved, the speeds involved, and some of the risks involved are, are much greater. So uh, this, is, this is an important milestone. We remember talking to Haley mm -hmm. Arsenault's uh, really early on and her saying she said yes right away mm -hmm. but her mom was like eh, I don't know <laughs> just but talk about because it's said that this is perhaps the most safe manned flight mission ever to space mm -hmm. Well, we've learned a lot over our 60 years of human spaceflight, and we've been able to uh, transfer some of that knowledge to SpaceX in the design of their Falcon and uh, Dragon system. So it's estimated that uh, this flight is about three times as safe or three times safer than the shuttle was at the end of its life because we were able to incorporate some additional technologies. The, the Dragon system has an abort capability that we didn't have with shuttle, and that's all increased the uh, um, 
increase the likelihood that you're going to have a successful mission. Oh, well, it's really exciting. Phil, yep. thank you so much. Congrats to the folks at NASA and also mm -hmm. SpaceX. And what do they say? Good luck and Godspeed to the Good astronauts. Good luck and Godspeed. Right. That's right. Thank you, Phil. All right, it is 7.49. Mr. Roker's got a check of the weather. How does it look for the guys who are taking off in Florida? Well, there will be a chance of some showers, but nothing really bad. That's the good news. The heaviest rain is back to the west due to the remnants of Nicholas. We've also got some severe weather that's going to be pushing through the, the Great Lakes on into the northeast, mid-Atlantic, and New England later today. The fire risk continues out the western plains, and that desert heat is relentless. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Coming up, a uh, story all parents need to see, especially especially if you have a young daughter. The eye-opening research showing Instagram can be harmful to their mental health, plus what the social media giant is doing to address those problems. But first, these messages. Just ahead, Broadway is back. Our epic and unforgettable night celebrating the big return. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.